Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The Bears have the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. QB1 and, and one. one. The Chicago Bears are on the clock. We're going to evaluate the draft class, and I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away. We understand the magnitude of where we're at in the draft. I do whatever it takes. How about the number one pick with the Bears? Are you ready for people to start questioning whether you're the, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears next I mean, year? I am. I would trade Justin Fields, and I'm going to draft Bryce Young, who I think is going to be a better quarterback. I'm Justin Fields all the way. I love the kid. What I'm hearing out of Chicago is they're going to package him up, trade him for some other pieces, and then go with the Bryce kid from Alabama. What Justin Fields do with another year in the NFL and another offseason, it's like you're just going to give up on that. The Bears would be absolutely insane yeah. to trade you. I know there's some really interesting things in the draft, but you have your quarterback built around him. With the first pick, the Chicago Bears select. Shane and Chris really dig into this draft. Afternoons on the score. Oh, thank you so much, Jim Ursay. <laughs> it is Parkinson Spiegel on the score. We're balancing a lot of things here. We're still waiting for Mike Clevenger to speak out in Arizona. We're chasing down that Washington Post report that there was a police report. Many texters are saying that just the presence of a police report would not come up in like a standard run-of-the-mill background check. There would actually need to be charges filed. Especially in a domestic dispute because to protect the accuser, yes. these things are not public until a charge is filed. Which, so. makes, which makes sense. Yep. Dan Wiederer has just uh, reported some news. He says, breaking. The closing is complete. The Bears are officially the proud new owners of 326 acres of land at Arlington Park. Wow. It's a significant step in the direction of building a new stadium, but now the real work starts and an intricate obstacle course awaits. Congratulations. How so, about it? I wonder, I wonder what they'll do with that space out there. Yeah, I, it's a real mystery. <laughs> That they're talking about openly and on the record. By the way, um, I look forward to these 3 o'clock segments uh, when Shane and Chris dig into the draft. Yeah, it's good. Um, and, and I look forward to not including tax stories. Last week we had the first of what will be so many stories about the tax laws and the tax loopholes the Bears will have to try and exploit. I saw those and skipped past them so fast in the Chicago Tribune. So I just wanted to share how fast I skipped past them by using a, you know some valuable air time. Good for you. Thanks, man. Good for you. Well, the Bears have actually just sent out an open letter Ooh. regarding uh, closing on Arlington Park. Hey, guys, you want to play our favorite game? 
Reading on the radio. Oh, where's Bernsey? He's the best. Is there a Greg Doyle column that he can read or maybe a Joe Sheehan newsletter? Bernstein is standing on the Columbus Street Bridge right now reading the most recent uh, Joe Sheehan column with his buddy, the bubble boy. Yeah. We, out, out loud into a, uh, into yeah. a mega, megaphone. All right. Well, mega so, horn. A megaphone? Yeah. I'm Luke, a, are you good? All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks for checking. No problem. All right. This is a long one. It's a long open letter from the Bears. Okay. Here we go. Last All right, we are looking for a big finish on who you crapping. He's done reading. It is up to <laughs> He's done reading. <laughs> As Burnsy cycles through emails, Stonecutter's only 2,000 words this week. Oh, man. <laughs> this from Stonecutter. <laughs> All right, we are looking for a big finish on who you crapping. He's done reading. <laughs> <laughs> Last fall. Seriously, the Joe Sheehan one yesterday lasted about eight minutes. Missed he, it. He's a big reader on the radio. Yeah. Thrilled to have missed it. Yep. Last fall, we released an open letter confirming the team had reached an agreement for the purpose of acquiring 326 acres of property in Arlington Heights to secure the potential of beginning a new and exciting chapter for the Bears, our fans, the Chicagoland community, and the state of Illinois. This week, we took another step toward realizing that vision by closing on the Arlington Park property. Finalizing the purchase does not guarantee the land will be developed, but it is an important next step in our ongoing evaluation of the opportunity. There is still a tremendous amount of due diligence work to be done to determine if constructing an enclosed state-of-the-art stadium and multi-purpose entertainment district is feasible. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Uh, Should we proceed, the development of the Arlington Heights property would be one of the largest mega-projects in Midwest history. Possible construction of a stadium-anchored development is projected by analysts to create more than 48,000 jobs, generate $9.4 billion in economic revenue or economic impact to the Chicagoland economy, and provide $3.9 billion in new labor income to workers across the region. The completed mega project would create more than 9,700 long-term jobs, generate $1.4 billion in annual economic impact for Chicagoland, and provide $601 million in annual labor income to workers across Chicagoland. The village of Arlington Heights has hired its own expert consultant to review the economic projections, and we look forward to discussing the substantial <laughs> benefits this project will provide. God, there's a lot more. Oh, is it really? There's a lot more. You should, don't should have I, to. You I can stop? probably stop. Yeah, I think you're good. Okay, I'll stop. I think they're moving forward. They're going to try right. and build right, a stadium. Stopping. Because, I mean, look. And I guess the only way it doesn't get done is if they can't fund it. They can't find the money. Yeah. So, okay. so right. this right. is they're going to have to find, like, what, $2 billion? You're going to have to find a couple of billion dollars. You just got to find a few billion. To work on this, and they're going to have to, like, uh, do whatever they have to do to uh, make the tax laws work in their favor yeah. over the next few years as that happens. And the rest of it will be posturing and sweet talk the likes of which yeah i want someone else to cover <laughs> yeah for the most part I, for me anyway yeah i get it i don't know but I, I feel like we've done it so many times i did it as tom ricketts was wrestling with the mayor about redoing wrigley field i learned so much more than i ever wanted to about that whole process yeah you I, know? yeah I, I, of course of course and the idea but i'll like, learn it again well, the, the feasibility like there, there'll be hoops to jump through there'll be political shenanigans we'll learn there'll be aldermans and people who will speak up and you know like to talk about your wrigley experience like it's gonna yes it, it'll be it'll suck you're right who is going to be the tom tunney of arlington heights it's gonna be the arlington heights mayor what's his name 
the we've seen him already, but he seems to love it. Kevin something, right? He loves yeah. it. Yeah. He, he loves good. it. There's got to be somebody else. There's got to be there's somebody right now who's going to be an annoyance oh, through the whole thing. On the city council of Arlington Heights who's going to fight through and there's probably a couple people down in Springfield. I'm going to be up the butt every day. <laughs> oh my god. Right? Yeah. And Mark Grody will have to do an impression of whoever that person that is. That character will will emerge yes. in the in this story. And yeah, and and listen, we got we, we still got this mayoral race. There'll be more questions asked about about the bears and then the new mayor oh, will yeah. will have uh, we'll have to grandstand and pontificate. Oh. Well, my predecessor lost the Bears. I want to know what Paul Vallis, famously of Bridgeport, not yeah. Palos Heights, for the record. Yeah. I want to know what, what he thinks about the Bears' uh, yeah. stadium process. All right, so they, they, they now own 326 acres of land, and they're going to now see if it's feasible. Breaking news. <laughs> it is. It's feasible <laughs> if you have the money. Uh, you might not have the money. Good talk. But it's feasible. Yeah. You can build a lot on 326 acres of land. I've checked. There's NFL stadiums on far less. You know which one I'm thinking of? Yours. Uh, all right. So, uh, yesterday, we tackled the idea of trading down with the Colts to the fourth overall pick, mm-hmm. the most common trade down for the Bears, because figure if two quarterbacks go in the top three, you'd still get one of the top two defensive players, either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, and moving down from one to four would be enough of a move down that you would be able to recoup your second round pick that you traded for Claypool and pick up next year's first, presumably from Indianapolis. So it And they would get to jump in front of their division rival, Houston Texans. It is the most obvious, simple trade on the board. So we covered that first. Today, the story that we're... It's like we're going to have to put a caveat on all of these conversations. Well, they could trade Justin Fields and draft their own quarterback, which Jason Lockenfora today... <laughs> Reported, He said more than one NFL general manager came away from the Senior Bowl fairly convinced that Justin Fields will be dealt. Now, Jason Lockett-Ford does not have the greatest reputation anymore. Well, first, I'm going to say one thing. When Lockett-Ford says something, I tell you with a grain of salt, usually it's wrong. It's Greg Gabriel talking about Jason Lockett-Ford. I just, a quick Google search pulls up. Here's a list of everything Jason Lockett-Ford has been wrong about. So, I mean, there's... He used to be on the desk at CBS on their pregame show. He works for us. And now, right. So, (laughs) think about how far he's fallen. Mitch sent me his cell phone number today. Hey, if you want to have Lock and Four on, I just didn't respond. Is he on in the afternoons like we are? I I, I don't know. He, He does something in Baltimore... Him and I no longer really have a relationship. I used to have him on weekly. What? You hung up on him in Kansas City. Yeah, hung up on him in Kansas City because he was being all trolly and annoying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so. He was cutting tape this morning. Uh, there's some stuff coming in. He was editing in the background. Yeah, so, yeah, we, I mean, we could put him on. I'm sure it's watered under the bridge. It's been a long time. Or it's not. I don't know. People seem to hold grudges with me for a long, long time. But Name seven. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, I listen. What I I work for the audience. Okay? It's funny because six of them come right to mind, Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that is, seventh, would take the seventh a is the tough, the toughest one. You picked the right number. Are you considering us three? No, no, no. Just, okay, just, good. Yeah. Just whatever team you're thinking about, just think of another team in town, and you'll easily get them. Yeah, especially if they're owned by the same people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, all of their employees for the most part. Okay. Well. Except you, the players, for some reason. Players, no, no, <laughs> players are fine. They like you, Shane. <laughs> yeah, mostly it's That's through. Because you're, you're their point of contact. 
Boy, oh, they seem to enjoy coming yeah, they, on the they're show. They're fine with that. Anyway, Lock and Forest says. Io would be on every week. If he was the uh, anyway. Multiple GMs. Mo- so multiple multiple GMs. And then, just so you know, it's going to still be in the the ecosystem. Like So that's Lock and Forest. Take it for what it's And I will say, yeah. he does get some things right. He was one of the first ones, if not the first one, last offseason to say that the Chiefs were looking to trade Tyreek Hill. So he does still get some things right. He just gets more things wrong than you'd want to for what's the word I'm looking for? A reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But he did get it right about Tyree Kill being traded before before he was. So that's the news portion of it. Then, just in terms of how it's going to be in the bloodstream, here's my guy Colin Cowherd having some loud Justin Fields opinions yesterday. I think the one you have to really think about, and he's not a star, and you really got to think about this, put your pom-poms down in Chicago, is moving off Justin Fields. Here's why. In two years, he's been bad and bad. Well, the offensive line, no, it's actually rated 14th in the NFL. Burroughs is rated significantly worse this year. In two years, he completes 59%, has a passer rating under 80, 24 TDs and 21 picks. It's bad. Justin Herbert started first game as a pro. He told he was starting five minutes before the game. His offensive line that year was ranked dead last in the league, and his coach was uncreative and got fired. He put up huge numbers. His offensive line is significantly worse as a rookie than the Bears this year. Andrew Luck's first two years, 11-5, 11-5. His own line was much worse. Joe Burrows this year is ranked 28th. Last year it was atrocious, and he got to a Super Bowl. You can't use the O-line anymore. It ain't great, but it's not Herbert rookie year bad. It's not Cincinnati last three years bad. It's not close to Andrew Luck bad. And those guys won a lot. I mean a lot. And many of their coaches. Andrew Luck's got fired. Justin Herbert's got fired. It's not like, well, the weapons. Oh, the weapons. Bears have good backs and an excellent young tight end. They could use another receiver. But again, his protection is better than anybody wants to acknowledge. And whereas with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, I saw tremendous staggering growth year one to year two, I didn't with Fields. He's more YouTube star. Sensational plays, but the little stuff, footwork, accuracy, I think you have to consider it. It's interesting. There's a lot to uh, quibble with in there. Obviously, could use one more wide receiver, things like that. No mention of 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 the system, um, really, and and doesn't seem like a lot of a experience necessarily watching the pocket not exist from a game to game perspective. Yeah, I mean the offensive line metrics. We talked about it over the course of the year. They didn't really make any sense with what we were actually watching on the field and. Their run block numbers were much better, and their pass block win rate numbers in obvious passing downs, like the third and long pass block numbers, were abhorrent. So, you know what I mean? Like They they were pretty good run blockers. They were awful pass blockers, and in known passing down situations, they were the worst in football. And the sack numbers that factor in there, they're so much lower because he has the ability to evade pressure. Yeah. So the, the offensive line is not going to be credited with sacks allowed when he can just escape the sacks. And he took a lot of sacks still, but yes, he also helped them out with 
his ability to run. Right. And, and, and the system yeah. changed after week five, all of that. I, I, this issue, I'm glad we're talking about it here in the second edition of Shane and, and Chris dig into the draft. Yes. It's not going to go away between now and the draft for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's no reason to believe what we think they feel, which is that they're going to build around Justin Fields because GMs lie, because front offices lie, and they want mis, you know, miscommunication and misinformation out there. Number two, there is some sense in resetting your timeline on a rookie contract to the rookie quarterback. I don't think it should be dismissed. It's, it should not be dismissed. Not necessarily for the reasons that Colin no. said, but it... It shouldn't be dismissed. He's also he's he was not their guy, and even though they have fallen for him and found a way to get a lot out of him, he wasn't their guy. And there is tremendous value to be had for being at the top of the draft with a chance to take the quarterback. You could get something wonderful for Justin Fields in trade and get yourself Bryce Young if you love Bryce Young. Yeah, exactly. And for anyone who says it's completely ridiculous to even consider it, you want Ryan Poles to consider it because you want him to consider everything because Ryan Pace didn't consider everything, and we crushed him for that. So it is not an insult to Justin Fields to consider Will Levis, to consider Bryce Young. I think it's overwhelmingly likely that he won't do it because you could get more for the number one pick, because the number one pick could bust, because there isn't a clear-cut for-sure thing. But also, man, just think about like. What if Trevor Lawrence was in this draft? Or what if Joe Burrow was in this draft? Or what if Andrew Luck was in this draft? We, of course, would be saying, take those guys over Justin Fields. And of there, course we would. And there are some people that feel that Bryce Young is capable of being that guy. And Ryan Poles might fall for him and say, I don't care if he's slight. I'll bulk Correct. him up. Correct. And so that, but so that, that's why like, it's not that hard to imagine a scenario where everything we've seen from Justin Fields, if you said... This was next year, uh-huh. and you could have five years of Caleb Williams for cheap versus three years of Justin Fields for cheap. Which would you choose? Every general manager in football would choose five years of Caleb Williams because that guy is considered to be the truth. Yeah, and so you know, so that's that's the so it's not an insult to Justin Fields to consider those other guys. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. Uh, two more data points I wanted to add real quick: the mock draft over at the thirty third team. Um, where Mike Tannenbaum and, and others work, has Fields being traded to Carolina down to number nine and Chicago taking Bryce Young number one. So there are still there are going to be some mock drafts that posit this. It's not going away in terms of that. And then I, I need to compile a bigger list, but Josh Rosen traded after one year. This would be traded after two years yeah. for Fields. The Cardinals sent Rosen to the Dolphins. They got number 62 overall. And a fifth round pick from uh, two years after that. And Rosen, I think, was the twelfth pick at the time. So that's tenth. very yeah. t- tenth. Okay, tenth so overall in twenty eighteen. So comparable to Fields in that where he was drafted originally, but not comparable at all in that he was traded a year earlier. And Fields had has shown way more. Agreed. You know, Agreed. Rosen showed nothing as an NFL player. Right. So, some, right. He, sh- he had showed nothing, but it was only one year, and, and you could have believed Yeah, an extra that, year of him being cheap. Right. Extra yeah. year of him being cheap and an extra year of not really knowing exactly what might be there. Some mystery right. yeah. in, in that regards. But I'll keep looking around for quarterbacks traded on the rookie deal because I can't really think of a lot of them, which it's an interesting place to be. That's for sure. First round picks too, right? First You're, round yeah, yeah. quarterbacks traded on a rookie deal. 
I'll have to think about it. I don't I don't have any other than Rosen that are coming off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot's office uh, has released a statement in response to the Bears closing on Arlington Park. I love Chicago political delusion. This is this is actually worth reading. She's just delusional in general. It's got nothing to do with Chicago politics. And they're they're intricately yeah, all right. Fine, agree to disagree. It's entwined, but yes, fine. Uh, today's news about the closure of the Bears' uh, option in Arlington Heights has been anticipated for some time. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, all of us diehard Bears fans, the uh. mayor included, know and believe that the Chicago Bears should remain in Chicago. So now that the land deal has closed, we have an even better opportunity to continue making the business case as to why the Bears should remain in Chicago and why adaptations to Soldier Field can meet and exceed all of the Bears' future needs. Oh, so more videos are coming. There is simply no doubt that the economic benefits for the team of staying in a reimagined Soldier Field significantly outweigh those gained in a move to the suburbs. Oh, boy. That's... Due, due to the Bears' legal <laughs> restrictions in the pre-purchase phase, the city was unable to engage in direct negotiations with the Bears while the land was under contract. Now that the has been completed. We look forward to negotiating and convincing the Bears that the team's best future remains in our beloved city of Chicago. Okay. For, the end. First of all, um, she's appealing to you, the Bears fan out there, and wants you to feel like one of us. This sentence, there's simply no doubt that the economic benefits for the team of staying in a reimagined Soldier Field significantly outweigh those gained in a move to the suburbs. That is that is alarmingly incorrect. That is <laughs> remarkably That's untrue. That's Elliot Shore Park's Woo! levels of incorrect. Woo! Man, owning your own stadium and reaping the benefits of that as opposed to continuing to lease and work with the city and finagle everything that you have to finagle, even in a reimagined soldier field. That is that is deeply untrue. Yeah. 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 yeah, I I get the same. (laughs) On one hand, you could own it and get all of the revenue from it and the surrounding things that you build and put on it. I'm listening. On the other hand, uh-huh. we could own it. Ooh, I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop listening. Yeah. You can keep talking if you want. Yeah. Feel free to keep writing your statements. Hell, make your videos. On the one hand, you can own businesses and hotels and restaurants and uh, get kickbacks and percentages from events like the Final Four and the Super Bowl. I'm listening again. I'm here. <laughs> On the other hand. Uh, I can share my space. You could share your space with a venue that hosts high school soccer tournaments. <laughs> Could I keep sharing the turf? Could I do that? Yeah, well, we're willing to consider okay. giving you a vote among uh-huh. many other people that would have a vote gotcha. on the playing surface in which you play. Let me ask you a question. If we're going to use my field for a concert the night before I have a game, yeah. do I at least get a piece of those uh, those earnings? Do I get a piece of that money? Not if you stay here. Oh, okay. But if you go to your building... You get all of them. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Thank you. It, it, this was nice. I'm glad we talked. Yeah. That's adorable. <laughs> they clo- they closed on 326 acres, but now we think they're going to really just they're going to pull up a seat at the table and ultimately decide that that was just a, that was just an expensive vacation home. It was speculative real estate investment they were doing. (laughs) Right. This notoriously cheap. uh, Yeah, we were just speculative. I think uh, I think they're going to build a bowling alley out there. Yeah, that's what it is. Big bowling alley, maybe a hotel, something that's sort of stadium sized. But yeah, no, (laughs) that's pretty good. Trampoline Park, (laughs) very popular nowadays. Very popular, absolutely. There's any number of places. There's Top Golf. Maybe they want to put it to Big Top Golf franchise out there. 
or the other one? What's the uh, putt putt shack? But hear me out. Yeah. Put it on the water, make it float. <laughs> yeah. Had to consider that a big in a while. screen out there. Dustin, and you, you can watch the Bears games from Arlington Heights while you're <laughs> golfing on Lake Michigan. Are you working a double again? Dustin, is that you? Love you. Oh god. It's it's much better. Mm. Their their economic situation is much better. Texter's helping us with some quarterback trades to think about. Tim Tebow, Sam Darnold traded during their rookie deals. Uh, worth uh, worth worth considering. Darnold after three years, and the Jets had been pretty sure that they were done on that. Yeah, right? but I mean, Dar- Darnold's not a bad. It's not a bad. It's, not, it's not a bad comp. Mm-hmm. It, but it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to to find it. What what did three years after Darnold was uh, drafted, the number three overall pick in 2018, the Jets got three picks, a six in the 2021 draft, and then a second and a fourth. In 2022. So the, yeah, interesting floor to consider. Right. Because the difference is, again, that Fields showed higher potential and it's a year earlier. Mm-hmm. You would be trading. You'd be trying to trade Fields for a first round pick. You'd be trying to trade him for a first round pick in this year's draft. Yeah. That, that 33rd team mock had him for the number nine pick from Carolina. Is, yeah. Is that, that enough? Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's what you would try to do. Wow. You would try to trade him. For for the night, something like that. that, then, that he, yeah. then he got two in the top ten, and they had. Uh, and they, you get your new quarterback on the rookie deal. Yeah, you get your new quarterback on the rookie deal, and then they had uh, the Bears taking Paris Johnson, the tackle from Ohio State. There you go. Yeah, he's a mountain of a man, right? So yeah, that that's that's that that feels about right. What you uh, the top ten pick for Fields? Mm-hmm. I think that that feels like it would be compensation that they would at least be considering if they absolutely were blown away to use Ryan Poles' words on a top quarterback. Our next guest, former NFL scout, currently a film analyst, used to be on Good Morning Football, now he's part of FanDuel TV, Matt Hamilton. He's great. We'll talk Super Bowl, we'll talk Bears, we'll talk drafts. Do you want one more quick comp that a texter pointed out real fast? Because it's Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler dealt um, to the Bears after four years. Well, right, but he was up for to get paid. Right, he was up so for to get the Bear, paid. The Bears paid him as soon as they traded for him. So right. that's that's pretty different. That that is different. Uh, and he was a Pro Bowler. So yeah, that one that's not a great. Other Dar- than those things, yeah, yeah. Darnold's a better comp. Okay, uh, we'll talk to Matt Hamilton next on the score. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Up and Adams as we welcome in Matt Hamilton. I don't know. Can we we'll just get to the Rihanna part? So from where I was, all, all the way up in the nose, I, I couldn't even tell. I didn't know the pregnancy thing was a thing until after I got home. And apparently it was like this huge. I had no idea whatsoever. That's all everybody was talking yeah. about. Yeah. No, because Rihanna's I know Kay from Rihanna's her suite was, uh, you know, had a great view of it between, you know, bites of caviar and yeah. whatever else is going on. Wow. No, Darren. Wow. I'm, I'm sitting next to a couple of cheese sandwiches. They're asking me what I do. I said, you know, I work with Kay. They go, oh, up in Adams. Yep. And then the next question is, why are you up here with us? Where's Kay? The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. That'd be tough. Always being asked, where's Kay? Where's Kay? Where's Kay? It makes sense. She's a friend of this show. She's been on a couple of times. Thrilled to welcome on. On-air contributor, does great film breakdown stuff. Uh, you've seen him on Good Morning Football. Used to be uh, with the Detroit Lions for scouting, former player, host of the breakdown. Matt Hamilton with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Matt? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Um, and I, I love that you played that clip. I love giving Kay a hard time. So, uh <laughs> somebody's got to do it her life's a little too good so you're the guy who's got to chop her down to size every once in a while matt 
Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it really did seem, just from the clips on the internet, that you guys spent the week of the Super Bowl just drinking tequila on set in the morning with football players. Was that a, is that a pretty That's- pretty accurate summation of what happened there? That's pretty accurate, yeah. Mm, uh, a lot job. of excedrin, a lot, a lot of tequila, um, a lot of running around. It was complete chaos, but it was it was an absolute blast. And uh, for our first our first Super Bowl show, our first week of Super Bowl shows, it, it, honestly, I, I don't think it could have gone any better. We had so much fun. Well, congrats on the success of the show. Uh, Matt Hamilton with us on behalf of FanDuel TV. You see him on Up and Adams with Kay Adams. Uh, so we're obviously talking a ton about Justin Fields and the Bears having the number one pick and the idea of building around fields or not. We think they will build around fields. We think they should build around fields, but it's a unique opportunity. So we, of course, want them to scout Young and Levis and the other quarterbacks in this draft. Would you build around Justin Fields or start the rookie quarterback contract clock over? I think what we, based on what we've seen from Justin Fields so far, I think you have to build around him. It's, it, it's about getting, you know, the Bears roster has not been very talented over these last couple of years. And, and they, they're going to have a ton of cap space this offseason, obviously a lot of draft capital. I think they can build up that talent around him very quickly. It is concerning that, yes, you're already going on to year three of that rookie contract and, and really starting the roster from scratch. It's going to have to happen quickly because, as we've seen, you know, it's, you're at a huge advantage when you can capitalize when you have that quarterback in that rookie window like the Eagles just did with Hertz and were able to amass all that talent around him so quickly. Um, the clock is really speeding up for the Bears to get it done, but I think Fields has shown that he is a special talent and you want to go all in and build around it. I got a two-parter for you, Matt, about what the Eagles have done with Hertz and what we dream of the Bears doing with Fields. Schematically, last year, um, Nick Sirianni made the pivot that Luke Getze made this year. So, so schematically, what is the next thing then to be added in for Justin Fields and Luke Getze for this coming year to get them closer to being what the Eagles are? Honestly, I think schematically they're, they're pretty much there. Uh, I, I love how they incorporated in the RPOs, allowed Justin Fields to, to have more freedom with his legs, to use his legs more. It really is, to me, when I look at this team, it's just a talent issue. You get, he doesn't have an A.J. Brown or, or Devontae Smith or, or anything really even close to that yet. The offensive line needs some serious upgrades as well. So I, I think that's really what it comes down to is just getting the personnel in place now. So I guess that would mean that the second parter is a yes. Would you trade both draft capital and then pay the money to get T. Higgins if you're the Bears and give him to Justin Fields the way the Eagles gave A.J. Brown to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think he'd be a tremendous addition. And I'm still, I know there's a lot of speculation because the Bengals aren't going to have the space to pay everybody. I'm still not sold on on the idea that they're going to trade T. Higgins right now because they are in that, in right smack in the middle of that window. And I think you risk losing him in free agency to try to go all in on a Super Bowl right now and you take your comp pick and move on. So I know that's been a big thing everybody's been throwing out there, but I'm, I, I don't know that we'll necessarily see him on the move like a lot of people think. I agree with you. Matt Hamilton of FanDuel TV is our guest. You said that he's got special, he's a special talent. What do you think is special about him specifically? I mean, I think what, what we've seen him be able to do with his legs. I mean, it's beyond even what uh, 
we never thought we'd see anybody do what Lamar Jackson did on the ground again at the quarterback spot, and, and Justin Fields surpassed that. Uh, we've seen the arm strength that he has. Uh, I think he's he's much better in the pocket than than he's given credit for. Uh, he's still developing as far as you know going through his reads, um, having the patience in the pocket all the time, but. Uh, when he does sit in there and go through his progressions, he's, you know, he can he can spin it about as well as anybody. So um, all the physical traits that you want are there. And uh, I think we saw a big jump from year one to year two, and I would expect that to continue to year three now. We're talking to Matt Hamilton, the assistant football coach at New Rochelle High School in uh, in upstate <laughs> New York, right? Along with everything else. You're, Man, you, upstate New York for the win. Love that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Westchester County, there, there is a big debate about that. People from New York City call anything outside of New York City right. upstate. Um, we don't consider ourselves upstate, but... Uh, you go, you're c- central New York. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll, I, I think that's unfair that I put him upstate. Yeah, central New York, I'd like right? to apologize. <laughs> it's not like you're the Finger Lakes or something no, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Southern New York, but yeah. Okay, all right. Well, you know, so whatever. So look, it, it, he's he's, <laughs> he's worked for teams. <laughs> I know he's worked for teams. You know where you're from. He still coaches, um, and he, he breaks down tape. And he was at the Super Bowl. What's something that you feel like you learned by being at the game that we might have not seen on TV? Something that you feel like you learned by being at the game, Matt. I mean, the one thing, uh, you know, I joked about being up in the nosebleeds. First of all, I was grateful to just be there. But, but second of all, I, I like being up high because you really get you get that kind of all-22 look, and, and I'm a tape nerd. And um, being able to, to look at the secondary and, and how these, you know, how these defenses are lining up, the little chess match that was going on, um, you really saw all of the, the the breakdowns in communication in that Eagles secondary that the Chiefs offense was able to create. And, I mean, we know Andy Reid is an offensive genius and Eric Bieniemy's has done a great job. Uh, but this Eagles defense has been so fundamentally sound all year. And what they were able to do with, with all of their motioning um, and, and misdirection to just completely – boggle the minds of these Eagles defensive backs. It was just, uh, you know, you gained such an appreciation for that, being able to get that that view, that up-top view all game long. Matt, I said I picked the Chiefs in the over in the game, and the big reason was I thought that Eagles defense was good, but hadn't really been challenged. When they played the Lions in week one, gave up 35. When they played the Cowboys and they had Dak, gave up 40. When they played Rodgers and Jordan Love, gave up 33, and then the rest of their games were Cooper Rush, Kirk Cousins, the Saints, the Commanders, the Giants, it was, it was just, the Colts. It was just not an impressive sky in any way. They got Brock Purdy, who couldn't throw, and Josh Johnson. Were they an all-time great defense, or were they a very good defense that beat up on bad teams? No, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great point. That's a fair point. Um, I think they were a good defense that benefited a little bit from facing some subpar offenses. I think um, the thing that surprised me the most, I think, was uh, we've seen Hassan Reddick have such a special year. He was so impactful through their playoff run. And to see him basically be, be a non-factor, I think Orlando Brown made himself a lot of money. Um, 
But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they they might have padded the numbers a little bit based on the competition, but they're still a very good defense, and and the Chiefs just made them look silly. Well, it's because of that rye grass that they bred on top of the Bermuda grass, uh, Matt. <laughs> I not mean, help. I know it didn't help. Did you see the slippage? I mean, like, were you noticing the slippage to the extent that those of us on TV were? Oh yeah, and you and you could see it. It definitely uh, it definitely affected those pass rushes on both sides. Every time those those DMs tried to turn the corner, it seemed like their footing was going out from under them, and it it, it really does. It makes a huge difference in these games. Uh, hey, hey Matt, um, I, 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 let me ask you a question that came up last week. If you could hand one of the Kelsey brothers to Justin Fields and the Bears, mm-hmm. you can give him Travis or you can give him Jason at the beginning of a of of this next season. Which one do you give him? Oh man, that's a great question. That's awful because <laughs> they definitely need the offensive line help. Definitely need another weapon for him. I think you still got to go Travis just with his ability to get open and find space no matter what. Um, I, I think I'd, I'd give him the weapon, but it is—it's a tough call. It really is. Oh man, you love the question and then hate when people agree with me. I- <laughs> Right. You figured me out. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, but it, I just I, I believe in Jason so much and I believe in the power of a of a center controlling the offensive line and and Justin needs that so bad, needs a partner up there. Tevin Jenkins is the closest yeah. he has to a young viable partner on that line. Yeah, and being able having a guy like that that can call out help calling out the protection yes. and, and all of that and has seen it all. It is it is so valuable. Um, that's what makes it such a good question and such a tough question. Yeah, and makes Danny um, wrong. Makes Danny wrong the way he I, is. I, I also want to say, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, in college I was a student coach at Missouri uh, with the quarterbacks there with Chase Daniel, and our defensive coordinator was Matt Eberflus. Wow, did not know that. a little that. bit of a connection there. How about yeah. that? Do you, what, 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 do you, what do we need to know about the flus? You must love the hits principle. You must hate loafing. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, love hydration. He was big on that. Um, oh, good. Uh, he was. Uh, he was. He, you could tell he was just on another level. Even that, like, he was. He, everybody loved him. Everybody loved playing for him. All our defensive guys. Um, you know, he was the cool coach on the staff that everybody kind of gravitated towards. And you can tell he had a special mind for it. I mean, I remember 2000, 2007, Michael Crabtree was having his monster year and going for two hundred yards and three touchdowns a game. Uh, he just schemed up a way to completely erase him from the game. We beat him like 38 to 10. Um, and he's kind of done that throughout his NFL career. When you look at what he did as the Colts defensive coordinator too, he finds a way to take, take your fastball out of the equation. Um, he's really good at scheming up, taking away what you do best and making you have to win with your change up. Um, and that's what always stood out to me about him most. We're hoping we're eventually going to see that, but the Bears had zero good players in their front seven this year, so we didn't really get that experience. Yep. Yeah, it's hard. again, it's really hard when you just don't have the players. I love you bringing that up, though. That's interesting perspective uh, about your time at Missouri. How much do you hate that uh, Todd Reesing KU team that went to the Orange Bowl over you guys? Oh, that was an absolute travesty. <laughs> I mean, to beat them, to beat them at Arrowhead the way that we did, and then them get the BCS all the way. I enjoyed the Cotton Bowl. That was a heck of an experience. Um, eh. And, you know, I think we we showed them what we were able to do in that game, too, beating that McFadden, Payne Hillis, Felix Jones backfield 38-7. to seven. But, you know, 
<laughs> but wow. who's counting? Oh, who's counting? You know, and Danny's looking yeah, down counting. on you. Danny's looking down on you for the Cotton Bowl trip. He well, said, they, eh. should, they should have been in the Orange Bowl. They, no, they, they, I understand. They, they beat yeah. KU. What bowl game did you go to, Danny? I forget. I, I didn't go to any. But oh, you would have liked to go to the Orange Bowl so over the close, Cotton Bowl. So Just saying. Close, so good. Chase Daniel, um, uh, one of our colleagues, likes to call him a Hall of Famer at the bank. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's an all-timer uh, of a backup quarterback right there with Chase. You guys stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, we do. He's had he's had an incredible run, and I've loved seeing him now. Uh, all his work at NFL Network, he's getting he's getting those on air gigs, and uh, he's crushing it. Um, I talked to him a little bit when I was out in LA. We were actually at a Chargers game. We went uh, with Kay um, as like our staff holiday party, and um, and and got to talk to him a little bit there. He's, uh, he, I mean, he's made a hell of a career for himself. He got that Super Bowl wing, ring with Breeze. He's, you know. I think the reason these teams keep bringing him in, I mean, he's he's honestly the bri- most brilliant football mind I've ever been around, hmm. and these teams want want him around their young quarterbacks to, to help get him up to speed. Matt Hamilton, FanDuel TV. Fun stuff, man. We'll do it again. Thank you. No, thank you guys so much for having me on. Thanks, Appreciate Matt. it. Yeah, he was fun. Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm glad he brought that up about the fluce. Uh, it's Taking out cool. Michael's Crabtree. Yeah, and Texas also, Tech, right? Texas Tech, yeah. and and also just everybody on the team recognizing, oh, this guy's on a different level because we don't think of the flutes that way sometimes because of how he sounds, but coachy, <laughs> yeah. coachy, coachy. Yeah, but there's well, a- we, we don't we didn't see any defensive schematic advantage by that. We saw we saw uh, they were less penalized. They played kind of hard. Uh-huh. But they we did play hard. We didn't really see any. Oh, Justin Jefferson averages this per game, no. but against the Bears, he was taken out. You know, we, we didn't really see any of that. I will say we saw a level of competence from a secondary that had sometimes four or five rookies playing at the same time down the stretch. That was impressive to me to see competence in the secondary among rookies when three of them were undrafted. We are very, very late. It's okay, but we have Mike Clevenger audio ready, so we'll break, come back. Do whatever, and then Clevenger at the top of four because it's longer than what the time we have. Top okay, of the hour, sounds Mike good. Clevenger. So you'll hear you'll hear Mike Clevenger back to fun at four o'clock. We'll we'll squeeze in something fun before that. Parkinson speak on the score. In prison, a man will do most anything to keep his mind occupied. By 1966, right about the time Tommy was getting ready to take his exams, it was lovely Raquel. R.I.P. Raquel Welch. Oh, it's an all-timer right there. It's, it's, it hits real hard for um, for some of the people in the top end of the demo. Fight Club. Wait. <laughs> no, I got it right. I got it right. 82 years old. You can't eulogize anyone without us waiting for the impending. I know. understand. I'll say something wrong here. But yeah, Raquel some- Welch, the poster for Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption and the sex symbol. Yes. Forever, forever a sex symbol. What say there, fussy britches? Feel like talking? Shortly uh, after Marilyn Monroe had uh, had passed away, Raquel Welch showed up and spent decades in the in the public eye. And uh, I was re- just reading that, uh, she Playboy ranked her the number three sexiest star of the twentieth century. She was like number a, three, huh? Yeah, I don't have the full list in front Sophie of me. Sophia Loren. I would female list, you said? Or just <laughs> stars in general? A hundred sexiest stars of the 20th century. It was a Playboy Steve list. Buscemi. Yeah. yeah, yeah Lorenzo yeah. Lamas. That'd be on there. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Ricardo Montalban. Uh, 
You got the other poster in Shawshank? Um, Raquel Welch and? Oh, God. You got to have it, Danny. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Uh, I like this better, though. <laughs> Raquel. Uh, hmm. I can't remember now. <laughs> Greta Garbo? No. No, close. Jane Rita, Mansfield. Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm such an idiot. The story is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, the original Stephen King novella. <laughs> yeah. I'm a complete sure nutter idiot. It is. <laughs> yeah. Wait. It's in different seasons, which also has uh, The Body, which became Stand By Me. You don't have to prove all that you know if, just because you didn't know the question. I blew it, though. I did know it, and then I didn't Classic know it. Classic overcompensation. <laughs> We've seen it a thousand you, times. You know me too well. R.I.P. to Raquel Welch. Wait. All right. All right. I loved her in Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. I Great she was- Seinfeld cameo, too, if you remember, for all you Seinfeld fans out there. Seinfeld reference. What's the cameo in Seinfeld? Seinfeld reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember the cameo. I don't remember the cameo, the Seinfeld cameo I, either. Didn't you, yeah, didn't you win the, the Tony did. Awards with Kramer? Oh, oh yes. You worried there that I was wrong. No, 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 no. You're, you're right. Um, Summer of George. Yeah, Summer of George. Good man. Appeared as herself. Man. It's up there with the Mel Torme Seinfeld moment. All right. This is a beautiful eulogy that we just did. <laughs> it's uh, meaningful. We, we will now hear from Mike Clevenger next on the score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.